0: Hello, good afternoon, Michael Wynn, Chief Digital Officer of Digital Ops, the Division of RV Oppenheim Associates. Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast and Video Series where we talk about digital marketing tactics and strategies to help grow your business. Today we're gonna to talk about the 27 point comprehensive guide to hosting your own virtual conference. You know, there's a lot of people that are thinking about this. And today on the show, I've asked my coworker, Kaylee Bomar, to jump on this session with me. Uh, together, we just finished up the 2020 ACE Summer Symposium. Kaylee, thanks for joining me today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm It's this, truly an honor.
0: <laughs> I feel like you and I have just like spent the last, I don't know, seven days straight emerged in this virtual platform. And putting on this event. So, um, you know, this is going to be our opportunity to kind of share with the listeners um, and viewers what we've learned. So, let's jump into this thing. All righty. So, I think right off the bat, as an organization, you've got to be thinking about, okay, are we going to do this? So, your considerations right off the bat is, you know, Uh, number one, what is the size and the scope of my event? How many attendees are we going to have? How many exhibitors are we going to have? Sessions, speakers, sponsors, the number of days of our event, and are we going to have congruent sessions happening? Because all of those factors are going to play an important role in your determination of how you're going to set this thing up, right? And I think that really flows into the next thing, which is um, ticket pricing for your attendees and your sponsorship packages. You know, I think a lot of organizations have this idea that they shouldn't charge as much for their attendee tickets because, you know, people, it's virtual, right? Mm -hmm. So it should be cheaper. But I don't think that's necessarily the way to go, Um, you know, particularly with the group that we worked with on this project. You know, they decided, hey, we're going to do a 15% discount because GEICO is doing it. No, (laughs) (laughs) that's not why they did it. But, but, you know, they did want to offer some discount. But here's the thing to remember. Your attendees really already are getting a discount because they don't have to travel. Mm-hmm. Right. So they don't have to pay to, you know pay for gas. they don't have to, you know um, you know travel four hours to somewhere in the middle of the state. Um, they don't have lodging expenses. they don't have the additional food expenses, you know, if it was you know during the night time or you know while they're traveling. Um, you know, I know as an agency when we would go to you know the the PR conferences or advertising conferences, I mean, we would spend, you know, easily 1000 thousand, fifteen hundred $1,500 in, you know, sort of post-event dinner and drinks with, you know, our team and things like that. So the cost of this really is already kind of built in because people don't have those additional, you know, sort of costs. Um, you know, I, I think the other thing that you really have to think about, I mean, a lot of folks, you know, have have experienced because of what's happening with COVID, you know, zoom meetings and things like that, guys, having a zoom meeting is not a virtual conference, right?
1: Right. It's a big difference. And I think that, you know, having um, an immersive platform and making it an experience is what is going to bring value. And that's how you're going to be able to charge that higher price closer to what you would charge a person because, they know that Zoom is free and that everyone can get it. And, you know, they've been doing those all day long. So are you going to offer something different, something worth that money? And, and you definitely can.
0: Yeah, I think. Um, and for those of you uh, who follow the video episode of this um, podcast, you can check it out on YouTube if you haven't. We've got some screen slides, some screen captures. Of this virtual conference that we want to share with you guys because it does let you have a, a peek inside what does the virtual lobby look like? What does the virtual in-session room look like? Um, and, and this can really help, you know, paint a picture for you to kind of understand because otherwise you're just kind of thinking about these things in a in an abstract, you know, if you don't have a visual of okay, what does this look like? But yeah, when you're emerged and and really, you know, involved in a a virtual conference, you wanna have things like, you know, instant chat or Q and A with the speaker, uh, emojis that people, you know, who don't wanna ask questions but wanna indicate how they're feeling about the presentation, you know, having links to the handouts of your, um, you know, speakers, uh, you know, a list of the participants who are in the session uh, you know, tweets that are happening while the while the session is happening. These are all things that, when you have them as part of an overall experience in the session, that that is creating a true attendee experience. And we'll talk about that more. Um, but another thing to think about from an organizational standpoint is really making sure that you have a comprehensive communication plan and the appropriate distribution channels for that plan. Whether that's you know taking a, a platform, virtual platform like Big Marker or Wova, or you know just some of the other Demio, some of the other platforms that are out there, there are several, uh, you know, and then combining it with Mailchimp or Constant Contact and Hootsuite or your CRM platform like Active Campaign or you know HubSpot CRM, whatever your um, you know, platform is, and maybe you have an association management software that has to be integrated. Make sure you think about it from an integrated marketing communication standpoint. That's where you're going to make sure that um, you you've kind of covered your basis and you have a 360 view of your attendees, exhibitors, and sponsors. Um, well, I, the one thing that we can definitely tell you is, you know, in in the real world things can go sideways very quickly. Uh, and and the same thing can happen in a virtual event. So I think being, being expecting the unexpected, mm-hmm. right?
1: Mm-hmm. And being able to think on your feet. And, um, you know, there are going to be hiccups no matter what you do, whether it's in-person or virtual. So I think... You know, the key to that is having a lot of knowledge about your platform and really making sure to take time beforehand. So when something does go wrong, you know what you have to kind of jump in and do to get things back up and running.
0: Here's another thing. When do you get started? You know, typically Mondays are a great day to have a on-site, in-person brick-and-mortar summit. For virtual, Mondays aren't necessarily the best. And the reason for that is because your attendees very, uh, it is very unlikely that on Sunday or Saturday, they're going to click on the link from their email from work and, you know, and go check out the virtual lobby. They're just not going to do it, you know? So having your event start on a Tuesday or a Wednesday is really a good idea from a planning perspective, especially if you need any kind of early support. If people are having problems with browsers or internet connectivity, things of that nature, um, Mondays are not the best day to start your virtual event. And then the other thing to think about is long-term revenue and engagement opportunities for on-demand access for your content after after the, the event actually happens. And we'll talk about that later but those are kind of the big <clears throat> big picture things that you're going to start with. So,
1: I think one more one more to yeah. mention is is going to be your cost. So, I Ooh. think a a good misconception kind of of going virtual with your conference is that, you know, because you don't have to rent that event space or pay for catering and all those different aspects that it's going to be way less expensive. But that's not necessarily the case because you think about How, you know, say you've been putting on the same conference for 10 years, you're familiar with the hotel, with the vendors, with all of that, those details, you're gonna have to spend so much more time learning the new virtual platform in that new virtual space, and, you know, getting the permissions for the platform and everything. So your cost isn't necessarily going to be lower, um, but again that cost is going into giving people an equitable experience wow. as if they were in person
0: oh that is such a great point Kaylee you know I think you know the other thing that that we found too I mean we I personally interviewed about I don't know seven different uh virtual platforms for our clients and and there was all kinds of these factors went into you know um the the decision to go with with the platform that we went with for this Particular, um, you know, platform, and you're right. The the cost, you know, really, I, I feel like, you know, the investment of time to organize the, you know, speaker sessions, and we'll talk more about speakers in a minute, um, and and getting things set up on the back end, um, you know, it just like you have an event coordinator for an on-ground, uh, you know, in in-person event. You're going to have that event coordinator in a, in a virtual space, mm-hmm. you know, just as much because you as a, uh, you know, whether you're executive director or president, you know, whatever, you don't have this expertise. You need someone that knows that already and they can put in the six, the eight, the 12 hours a day for, you know, all the days leading up to the event to make sure it is a great experience for your attendees, exhibitors, and sponsors.
1: Not only leading up to it, but the same way you have event coordination, you know, boots on the ground mm. while the conference or symposium is happening, you need that same kind of assistance from the back end, like we were talking about, kind of as you go through every session of of the symposium. You really need that, um, you know, in-person, spending that whole eight hours, really just making sure that everything goes according to plan.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the attendee experience. And we talked about the savings. They don't have to travel. The one thing that we didn't talk about that I think is really important is when you take the destination out of the picture, you know, and for us, we're in Florida and many of our clients are here. So traveling to Disney or traveling to the Ritz Carlton in Jacksonville or wherever you're going to go, if you take the destination out, what you're left with is the content really matters most. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, having your, um, you know, uh, content coordinator committee, you know, really putting their heads together to make sure that the content is absolutely the best, that the speakers that you have are really authorities in the subject matter and that they are really prepared and, and can deliver the content that your attendees want to hear, um, and then from that point is you know making sure that the platform is easy to navigate, that they can have access to all the content, and don't just you know rely upon like all these platforms. Many of them do. They have these little emails that go out and let people know what's happening next, and that's great. But what if those emails get blocked? Right, like you need to have a plan to make sure you know that people can. Uh, you know, get to the content. And that's why if you see the screens that we're sharing with you now, you know, having access to the speakers and, you know, the schedule um, is really important so that people have a a go-to hub, if you will, for the things that they're looking for, whether it's links to the virtual hall or links to speaker profiles and bios or, or links to you know, each one of the breakout sessions, you know, having that one all place to go to is really great. Um, And I think that that's, I think a lot of people make the mistake of relying on just the
1: platform. Mm -hmm. I think it goes back to what we said about making it an immersive experience. And, you know, because your symposium no longer comes with a weekend at the beach you know, you kind of have to balance that out with still making sure that your attendees are going to want to come, you know, you have to draw them with something else. Now, you know, you have to make sure that you have just a list group of presenters and speakers who are really going to bring these people in. And, you know, you want your platform and your symposium to feel like they, they are, even though they're not going anywhere, they're still going somewhere. That, you know, they're not just clicking on a link that shows up in their email, that they're really experiencing something.
0: And I think the other thing that's really important is is to understand that you need to make this a convenient experience, right?
1: Exactly.
0: I think, you know, because we're working from home or, you know, we are maybe you're working at the office and you're attending a virtual event, you know, many of the the attendees are going to have it on in the background, Um, you know, or they're going to, you know, have it set up in such a way that it's happening while they're doing other things. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I think it's important that you provide on-demand access to the content after the live event happens, Mm -hmm. right? Um, That was the feedback that we really got from the attendees from this particular event. You know, they really liked the fact, well, I got called into, you know, a team meeting at 10 a.m., and the session that I wanted to go to started at 10 a.m., so I didn't get to go. Well, if you have it on demand, um, you know, in most of these platforms, within an hour of of the session concluding, you know, you can publish it live, and then they can go in and have it as an on demand piece of content. So that's really, really important. I think a lot of uh, organizations, while they're thinking about the virtual conference, don't think about what to do if people can't attend the live event because you're not you don't have the advantage of being you know literally captured like you are in a in a virtual event where mm-hmm. this is where you are there's no other distractions you know work the you're not getting phone calls and you're not being interrupted by something someone coming in your office or or what have you so
1: and I, I think from an employer perspective too, you know, if you couldn't traditionally not only afford to send someone to a two-day conference, but really you couldn't afford to have them out of the office for that long, mm-hmm. you know, this way, if someone can only attend half of it, they easily can attend half of a virtual conference. And then, like you said, have access to the rest of it on demand later. So, I mean, it probably will even open up the door for, you know, people in different work environments and scenarios where they might not have been able to devote two whole days But this way, they'll still be able to have access to that content and devote what time they can that fits their schedule.
0: Yeah. And then lastly, with the the attendee experience, you know, make sure that you are able to respond quickly to any technical issues that they might be having while they're trying to access the platform, the virtual lobby, you know, whatever that is. um, And make sure that you have feedback set up for each one of the sessions as well as the overall um, you know, uh, symposium or conference, because that data will help inform you to the next event that you have. All right, let's jump into exhibitors and sponsors. I mean, they are just as important as our attendees, because many times without the exhibitors and without the sponsors, these organizations wouldn't have the money or revenue to put these things on. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about that, understand this, your exhibitors and sponsors, the one thing that they're going to have in the back of their mind is Are we going to have the face-to-face time? That's what they want in the exhibit hall. You know, that's what they want from their booth. Can you provide that for them in the virtual space? And yes, you can. Um, And many of them, whether they choose to, you know, have separate links to uh, a breakout session of their own or whether they have links to a Zoom meeting, links to a Google Meet meeting, uh, you know, or, or a link out to Microsoft Teams. One thing I'll say about Microsoft Teams that you need to be aware of is if the the group that you're working with is not in, quote, corporate America and, and Microsoft is, is not a part of their world, trying to get into a, a Microsoft Teams meeting if you don't have an account can be tricky and that can get caught up. Just a word to um, exhibitors about that. You know, you might want to think about that you know covid-19 has made zoom so easy to get in and get out the 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 i think the 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 fear and trepidation about doing that has really been lowered um all right and then as far as the virtual exhibit booth space i mean for a vert, for a in in person event you know they're bringing all their material they're setting up their table they're setting up all of that well In this case, with a virtual event, you have to do that, right? Mm -hmm. You at least have to provide them the space. They've still got to gather, you know, a video, links to their PDFs, links to their website, whatever visuals, um, you know, and, and putting all of that together to create that space is really important. And then I think making sure that the visibility for the exhibitor, for the sponsor, whether that's on the website or email marketing or social media or maybe paid ads or in in ads in the platform, you know, all of those things are important. And then being able to provide reporting back to them after Mm -hmm. the event of here's all the people that attended your session. Here's all the links that, you know, were clicked. Here's how many, you know, page views. You can really give back to them information and you don't get that in a real world.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think too, it's, really when you're dealing with the exhibitors and sponsors, it's kind of a change of mindset. Like Mm -hmm. you're trying to, you know, a lot of these people have never been, they're not used to anything besides the brick and mortar exhibit hall. So you kind of have to change their mindset so that they understand that there still is value. There still is return on investment in a virtual space.
0: And I think again, because of what's happened with COVID and because of what's happened with remote teams You know, all of these exhibitors and and sponsors, they've already had to adapt and figure out how to have a Zoom meeting and how to have a Google Meet meeting. Mm -hmm. And and so, again, the barrier to this has been lowered because of the environment that we live in. So Mm -hmm. it's not upon you to try to explain to them how to do that. Almost everyone has had to sales reps or customer service reps, even state agency workers, you know, because they're remote teams. We've all kind of figured our way out, which is is really great. Um, okay, and then as far as, let me, I wanna go back and when we talk about you know costs for the attendees, same thing holds true for your exhibitors and your sponsors. If your package was 2,000 or 5,000 or $10,000 for your main sponsor, it should still be that amount because they're still getting in front of all of your people. Mm-hmm. And not, not only are they getting in front of them during that one time, Think about all the other on-demand access and, and the ripple effect and the visibility. You know, Again, the long tail of exposure and visibility for exhibitors and for sponsors for a virtual event is just amplified um, that often are, are under realized or not realized in a real world event. All right, let's talk about um, speakers and moderators. You know, this is another huge, huge thing that can really be the linchpin as to whether or not your event is actually a success. I'm gonna let you jump in. You worked a lot with the speakers and moderators. So, I mean, what did you, what's the takeaway that you feel like is so important?
1: Sure. So, I think that, you know, besides having the right platform and, you know, vetting those and making sure you have the right online presence, I think too, a lot of the follow through with that is making sure that you have a moderator in every session so that the flow of your conference of your symposium is is easy to follow it is natural and you know it doesn't feel choppy or again, like we said about having just the difference between a bunch of different Zoom videos ver- versus an immersive conference. So having a moderator in each session session sorry to introduce your speaker, to give a little background on them, to come in at the end for that Q&A and to remind us about things going on, like the virtual exhibit hall, thanking our sponsors, all those things that would happen in a virtual setting. You can't forget that, or sorry, that would happen in a Real setting, you can't forget them virtually. The moderator really is key for ensuring that your conference flows smoothly, that people can follow along well. You know, you you can let them know what's happening next, send them off to lunch. It really also adds more that human element that people could miss virtually. You know, that um, the person that you always see at the conference here they are as a moderator, and they're getting to you know have that little bit of face to face time, and and really it does just let everything flow really nicely. And what what I noticed specifically is we had sessions prepping each and every speaker and moderator. So basically we had about a 30-minute training with everybody. We brought them into a practice session on the actual platform. So they were able to see exactly what everything was going to look like. We talked them through exactly what would happen on the day of the event. You know, this is when you get to test out their equipment, their internet connection you know their confidence on the platform and really you make them feel comfortable and make them feel ready so that again you you're really trying to do everything you can to minimize those bumps that could come day of and you know some feedback i actually got while doing this is one one of the speakers told me that you know when they're in a real conference they notice a lot of technological hiccups people don't know how to plug in their computers things like <laughs> that and you know she's noticed that in the real world And she she was basically saying how much she appreciates the extra time we took, because, again, I mean, in real life, you know, in a real conference, everyone doesn't have a mandatory 30 minute training session where they have to prep all their stuff. So, Mm. I mean, really going virtual, you're, you know, having that added time, that added training just to make sure everything goes smoothly. And um, really doing that with the moderator really helped just, you know, on the day of, it was so easy to just plug in, plug in their materials, you know, get everything going beforehand. Um, and and again, all that is done behind the scenes. So then we assure that the attendees have the most seamless experience while they're attending the symposium.
0: Yeah, I, I do think that that is great. And, and, you know, we've kind of gone through some of the screen uh, grabs so you can see Uh, you know, in a virtual, what does a room look like when the speaker is in there, you know, from an attendee view, what does it look like? The screen that we've got here is what the um, presenter sees, you know, they can see the Q&A, they can see the links to their handouts, they can switch from you know, uh, their camera view to the screen share or share or, or click to their slides or Or if if they've got a YouTube video Mm -hmm. that one click, they can access those. Uh, and again, it, it really, these platforms have, have really done a great job because webinars have been around forever. The tricky part is right now the demand is so high. You can't, it's really hard to schedule a demo. It's really hard to get support. Um, you know, because the demand is just sky high and it's through the roof. But at the end of the day, if you know what, you know, what what are some of the potential issues you might have in making sure like that your speakers are prepped and that your moderators are prepped and that their connections are good and their camera works and their microphone works, all these things go into a great experience um, for your attendees. And it makes sure that, um, again, your your speakers and moderators are prepared for your session. All right, let's talk about, what about uh, revenue opportunities? I think this is another thing that uh, organizations really need to think about, and that is your post-event access to on-demand content for non-attendees. So you could sell a package after the event, and just say, okay, you've got access to the, you know, basically the presentation. You know, a lot of organizations they put up the PowerPoint, you know, and people can go at least get the PowerPoint. But with this, you've got a recording of the whole thing that happened. You the know,
1: speaker, the question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh.
0: So I, I think that this is a new sort of package that um, you know organizations may not have thought of before. So. Um, I think that this is huge. And then I think the other thing that, you know, in the past, you know, you've thought about, okay, well, what about, what is, what are the packages for sponsors and exhibitors, you know, the swag bags and, you know, all the different things like that. But with this, you know, you've got to think about, you know, the emails that go out and the landing page and the, the virtual lobby and the waiting rooms and the, in session banners, and you know the drip emails, or even you know mentions in the chat function. Um, you know uh, there are just so many different really value opportunities for you to create unique packages for your exhibitors and sponsors. Um, and this is huge. Again, mm-hmm. many organizations rely on these conferences to be a major source of revenue for their organizations. And if you don't really think about all the different opportunities, you may miss the opportunity uh, to to bring on someone who maybe before wouldn't have been a sponsor, and now they will because they're like, "Wow, look at all of these very tangible, uh, you know, visibility uh, components for our brand. We absolutely want to do it."
1: And I think, too, this goes back to what we said a 100 times of, you know, Zoom conference is not a conference and that these platforms offer those opportunities for sponsors. There, There's truly so many, so, so many that we honestly didn't even utilize. There were still so many more that we could have done in the platform. And there's really just a bunch of opportunities, again, like Michael said, that you wouldn't have necessarily thought of originally, but that really will add value for your sponsors and your exhibitors and those are opportunities you just don't have outside of a platform.
0: Yeah, so um, again just kind of to wrap up here, um, you know if your organization is thinking about going to a virtual, um, you know we hope that this session has been helpful for you, giving you some very practical things to consider Um, so that you're not only making a good decision in the beginning, but you have some ideas about what to look for before, during, and after your virtual event. Kaylee, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, Thank you for everyone who listens to the podcast and watches our videos. We hope you found it uh, insightful and educational. Again, my name is Michael Wynn, Chief Digital Officer of Digital Ops, a division of RB Opinion Associates. See you guys next time.